Who's that? It's the real estate deal with Kevin Lawton on 1077 The Bronx. Oh, hi. Come on in. Kevin Lawton, a real estate agent with Coldwell Banker Schiavonian Associates, is ready to help you navigate the real estate market. Whether you're buying, selling, renting, or investing, Kevin's your agent on the airwaves to help. He's your guide to buying and selling homes in the Mercer and Burlington County area. The real estate deal on 1077 The Bronx is underwritten by Brad Zerby and MLS number 161236 at Gateway Mortgage Group. And by Kevin Lawton, real estate agent with Coldwell Banker, Schiavone and Associates. Let's go over to our agent on the airwaves, Kevin Lawton, with the real estate deal. Only on 1077 The Bronx. Seven seven the Bronc, one oh seven seven the Bronc dot com. Proudly nominated for a National Association of Broadcasters two thousand nineteen Marconi Award for Best College Radio Station of the Year. Live from the Clarney's Public House Studios at Rider University, you're listening to The Real Estate Deal. I'm your host and agent on the airwaves, Kevin Lawton of Coldwell Banker, Schiavone and Associates, located in Yardville, New Jersey, and servicing both Mercer and Burlington counties. You can connect with me on Facebook at facebook.com slash Kevin Lawton CBSA. That's facebook.com slash Kevin Lawton CBSA. Or you can email the show, uh, realestatedeal at rider.edu. That's realestatedeal at rider.edu. Happy to hear from you guys. Any questions you may have about the show, any questions you may have about real estate in general, or any suggestions for topics as well to discuss on the show, Uh, maybe something that you haven't heard us talk about already and that you would uh, like to hear us talk about. And of course, happy to answer any questions uh, personally as well um, about real estate or the show. Um, The show is for you and you know it's here to educate you. So if there's something that you'd like to hear about, I'm certainly open to it and we'll certainly do my best to uh, cover that topic. So last week, uh, we had to run an encore, had a little conflict, um, but we ran uh, a really cool episode I really enjoyed, um, which was on cybersecurity. And for those that are not familiar, definitely go back and check out the episode. Uh, I believe it's called How to Keep Your House from Getting Hacked. And it's on uh, 1077thebronc.com on the real estate deal page under the audio archives. Uh, website is fully updated now with every episode that's ever been recorded. So definitely go check it out um, if you've missed any episodes and listen to them there. Um, the episode on cybersecurity was really interesting. We had um, uh, somebody here from as a guest to talk about. And she was a representative of the task force for New Jersey that goes against cybersecurity issues. But if you're not familiar, one of the big cybersecurity issues in real estate goes from uh, fraud where people are going to closing and they receive an email that looks like it's coming from their title company, uh, mortgage company, asking to wire funds, um, which is wiring funds is something that happens at closing. So so it seems and looks um, totally legit and it's around the time that it's supposed to be around. So a lot of people get fooled by it because it makes sense to them that it's being asked and uh, end up wiring the money and the money is gone and somebody else that was being fraudulent um, and acting as somebody else. Um, So really interesting episode on that topic. 
um, and definitely some really good insights that she gave not only on that fraud and what can happen at that time during the um, real estate transaction process, um, but she also gave some great information too on just in general talking about how to remain more secure um, on the cyber front because there's so many things that are out there, not only from a real estate perspective, but just in general every day that you can encounter um, that can really kind of, um, I would say, destroy your life, but can definitely have a big negative impact on your life, you know, just because so much stuff and so much information, personal information is out there on the internet now. Um, and if you're not careful, you know, you can, that information can get into the wrong hands. And I know, I know someone personally, um, that did have like their identity stolen and all that stuff. And, um, it's difficult. I mean, it was like when I found out about it and met this person, I think it was like five or six years after it actually happened and they still weren't able to like, they still weren't fully recovered. They didn't, couldn't have like a, a credit card or anything. Everything had to be done in cash. And, you know, then there was like some paranoia too, I guess, of like going back to that and what, what could happen again. So definitely um, interesting episode from that perspective, not only um, from the real estate front, but the cyber front um, altogether. Um, so definitely check that out and you can check out any other episodes on 1077thebronc.com and the real estate deal page in the audio archives. Um, so we are definitely, I think, heading into fall. Um, the weather is getting to be like that crisp fall air. But, you know, it was a little, a little weird there because we had some pretty hot days. Um, but we're definitely getting there. And with that, I think that, you know, we're kind of heading into that fall winter market that everybody, you know, so much thinks is kind of the slump in the market, but it's definitely a good time. I think to still be looking, um, if you're looking to buy, uh, for a home, there's, there's less competition out there definitely from buyers, um, because of not only because of, you know, people are busy with holidays coming up and people don't want to be going out and doing those types of things when it's cold out and you know kids are in school people don't want to move their families in the middle of school um, all those different types of factors but I think also there's just that perception like I said that uh, like this is like a slow time and there's not as many houses on the market this and that but uh, the truth is you know there's houses on the market still and in some cases you could probably end up getting a better deal on a house um, during this time, uh, especially if a house was put on the market sometime in the spring or the summer and it's still on the market, hasn't sold yet. You know, I think there from a seller's perspective, you know, there's kind of this like perception of, uh, you know, we're about to go into winter, everything's going to slow down and, you know, house hasn't sold yet. It's been two months, three months maybe four or five, who knows? And, you know, it's kind of get to this point where it's like, oh, well, you know, if we get an offer that's decent, then, you know, we should probably take it. Or if not, we're going to sit through the winter for, you know, another month or two with no real action on it, um, which could be the case. Definitely. Um, it could not be the case, but I think that, you know, from a buyer's perspective, that's the time where you can kind of take advantage of that mindset a little bit. Um, and possibly get a little better deal. And then obviously with less competition out there, you don't have to worry too much about um, having to be outbid or be bid up um, by other buyers that are interested. So 
definitely something to keep in mind. And, you know, also as we head into fall, you know, make sure that taking care of your house and uh, cleaning up outside, um, keeping it presentable, uh, which is always going to help to prolong the life of your exterior and your house altogether, um, but also helps to keep your value up and keep your neighborhood's value up as well, um, which is very important when it comes time to sell, not only for you, but for your neighbors as well, which I think is a good thing because keep in mind, you know, value is based on similar properties that sell. And if, you know, a house in your neighborhood sells for more money, um, then that's good for your value. Um, so, but sometimes a lot of that value, you know, feeds into the surrounding area as well. So it's just something to keep in mind, um, when you think about cleaning up and, you know, taking care of your leaves and all that type of thing. Um, so the week before last week, when we had a, uh, new episode, we took some time to recap the speaker series. If you guys don't remember, uh, I was invited and, uh, honored, I guess I could say, to be a participant as a speaker um, in a rider alumni event where we talked about first time home buying. So I was joined with another agent, um, insurance agent, mortgage broker, and I believe that was it. And so it was definitely an interesting discussion. You know, it's for first time home buyers, alumni of rider, and we're probably gonna do one again. It sounds like they're gonna do the next one. I forget the date but I'm pretty sure it's in November and they're going to do the next one and it's going to be on financial uh, topic from financial advisor will be the speaker, um, which I think would be really interesting. I will probably come out to that as well. Um, and then we talked about single story home popularity is on the rise, um, which I am definitely a fan of because I love single story homes, I have a single story home myself. And obviously, I've mentioned before, I'm a mid-century fan, and a lot of single-story homes are of the mid-century style. Um, and I just, I don't know, there's just something about the like lower, cleaner lines, I think, that, that I like. Um, and I guess other people are liking, too, as they're on the rise. Um, but another thing that's driving that is baby boomers getting into that age where steps are maybe not the best idea. So they're uh, investing in single-story homes and uh, or they're buying single story homes with the plan of, you know, not having to need stairs in the future or relocate again. And the other topic that we had talked about was actually a case of equity growing, which I think is really, really interesting to look at. Um, for people that had purchased in 2012, they're seeing a median increase in their equity of $141,000. That's 261% gain in their equity, which is huge. And, you know, what's really important to take away from that is looking at the time that they bought 2012, right? When people were still, still kind of scared of the market and that type of thing. So, but people that weren't, um, they took advantage of lower prices and, you know, less competition and bought homes. And now they're seeing the equity grow and the benefit of that. And, you know, when they go to sell that house or leverage the house for some other type of financing deal, whatever the case may be, they're really going to make out um, really well. So, you know, very smart on their part, whether it was intentional or unintentional, um, but definitely something to always keep in mind of how you can grow your equity and when. Uh, we're going to go into our first break of the day. We're going to hear from our underwriters, Brad Zerby of Gateway Mortgage Group and Coldwell Banker, Schiavone and Associates. And then we'll be back with more real estate deal 
Only on 107.7 The Bronx and 107.7 TheBronc.com. There's no place like home. Toto, we're home. So click your heels three times because we're back to learn how to buy one with our agent on the airways, Kevin Lawton, and the real estate deal. 107.7 The Bronc, 107.7 TheBronc.com. Proudly nominated for a National Association of Broadcasters 2019. Marconi Award for Best College Radio Station of the Year. We are live from the Clarney's Public House Studios at Ryder University, and you are listening to The Real Estate Deal. I am your host and agent on the airwaves, Kevin Lawton of Coldwell Banker, Giovanni and Associates, which is located in Yardville, New Jersey. And we service both Mercer and Burlington Counties. As always, you can connect with me on Facebook at facebook.com slash CBSA. Uh, there I'll post more information about today's show and previous shows and also other real estate happenings in my world. Uh, so definitely check it out and give it a like and follow along. You can also find The Real Estate Deal on its own Facebook page. Just search for The Real Estate Deal on Facebook and you will find us there. And just a reminder, you can always email us as well to get in touch with me or ask any questions about the show. Just email Real Estate Deal at rider.edu that's real estate deal at rider.edu and i would love to hear from you uh so we are going to talk about something that i think is pretty interesting because we have a lot of this in the area and it's interesting so i'm talking about public transportation because came across this article discussing you know, how much value does public transportation really add to homes? And I mean, the answer is that it adds a lot of value. Um, but, you know, kind of grabbed my attention because, you know, here where we live in Mercer County, there's a lot of access to public transportation. And I was kind of thinking about the area and it's interesting because, you know, there's public transportation, uh, accessibility to, other places and but you know i think there's like a whole whole world where people that also live in the area probably never utilize the public transportation at all um but it is there and you know especially you know the big ones obviously are you know trenton transit center hamilton train station princeton junction uh all those different things and then we have the river line of course too um which i'm a fan of i think is you know super cheap it's like a dollar 25 to go all the way down uh, wherever you want to go um, and even connect into philly so there's a lot of uh good public transportation in the area some i think might be underutilized just because of awareness like i think the river line is probably underutilized for a lot of people and i know there were some plans about the river line to kind of extend it into trenton a little further uh i'm not really sure what happened with that that was like a couple years ago i saw that so um that would be interesting if that definitely happened myself i would i love to take public transportation i like to drive on like road trips and stuff but um prefer to take public transportation because it's like less less to worry about and you kind of get to like sit and not i guess concentrate so much as to like not be driving off the road or anything like that um so anyway you know, the nearby train station in the area, I thought that this would be a good topic to discuss. So, you know, when we look at uh, public transportation itself, 
it is definitely desirable for a lot of people. And I think when we look at it in the sense of our area, it's desirable for a lot of people that commute into the cities. And you can see that when you look around the area where there are major train stations, like you look at Hamilton train station, it has been built up all around there because people want to be close to the train station. When people are commuting by the train, um, obviously they want to drive as little as possible. So the closer they can live to that train station, the better. Um, and with that, you know, this study um, in the article found that there's a 4% to 24% increase in value if your home is within a half mile of public transportation. And that's huge. And I think that's a huge thing too, um, that people really take into account that need to utilize public transportation. And obviously depending on where you live, um, you know, that increase is going to fluctuate because you know, you could live in Hamilton, for example, talking about Hamilton train station. Um, but if you live in Hamilton and you know, you don't, you have no need to commute to the city, then, you know, it doesn't really matter to you, um, whether the house is by train station or not. So, um, but it should matter to you actually, I'm going to say, and we're going to go back to my old philosophy of buying, um, to make sure that you create equity because, you know, thinking about living closer to the train station, even if you're not going to really utilize it and you know that you're probably not going to stay in the house forever, uh, being closer to it is definitely going to help your, your value overall. Um, and obviously, you know, if they end up expanding on the train station or, you know, adding another stop somewhere or something that can certainly help your value go up too as well, because it's going to make it a more desirable place to be near. Um, but you know, a perfect example of this to look on like a huge scale is if you look at New York city and you see rental, um, listings all the time, uh, talking about, you know, one block from this subway or like on the same corner as this subway. Um, that's a big deal to be that close. And, you know, you take it out to our area and it's still a big deal because there's a ton of people. Um, if you go, if you've ever been to the train station in the morning, it is like, uh, crazy. It's like a madhouse of everybody commuting into the city or commuting somewhere along the Northeast corridor, um, or even into Philly, um, to get to work. So really something to consider even in an area like ours that may be, you know, just from looking on the outside and not being near the train station doesn't seem like it would have an effect. Um, but it definitely does. The other thing that was interesting about this study that they found was that households that are within a half mile to public transportation, they're actually realizing an average annual savings of $2,500 to $4,400, um, which I think is pretty interesting. And, you know, I think the other thing they said was that there's like one in four homes that live by public transportation don't have a car, which I think is pretty telling of the benefits of public transportation. And I mean, myself personally, I'd be honest, like if, I don't know, if I could take public transportation everywhere and didn't really have to drive, then I probably wouldn't have a car either. 
Um, you know, there's just something more simple about it, I think. And, you know, it's less stressful than having to drive everywhere. And, you know, typically there's not really any traffic or anything like that. Um, so, you know, the savings, I think, is an interesting thing to think about. And, you know, it's also interesting to think about when you look at living near public transportation, you have the opportunity to potentially maybe maybe get more for your money. Because if you're going to be by public transportation and you don't necessarily need a car, um, then you're not looking for things like you don't have to consider like oh, I need some parking space or I need uh, a garage or anything like that. So you're actually you're actually going to be able to utilize more of your money towards actual like living space potentially or potentially more yard space, whatever the case may be. That's more interesting to you, um, but definitely something to consider. And, you know, I really thought it was an interesting insight um, into that. And, you know, of course, there's two sides to the story, right? Because you can be close to public transportation, be highly desirable uh, because of that. But you can also be too close to public transportation, I would say, as well. Um, you know, if you are like right next to the train station, um, then you're probably going to end up, you know, getting a lot of noise with trains going by and all that stuff and all throughout the day and night as well and you know that may hurt your value a little bit but you know for somebody that's commuting um that may not bother them that much at all so it helps your value there so there's a little bit of both ways um but i think overall uh, especially what i see too is that you know i think that like hamilton pocket that i keep mentioning like it is definitely affected by that and i think you know, when people are looking in Hamilton, they definitely want to be close to the train station if they're doing any type of commute. And the same thing goes for uh, West Windsor. When you look at Princeton Junction, a ton of people that commute out of Princeton, Princeton Junction uh, into New York City. And then even a little further up, you have uh, like park and ride buses and stuff uh, that go out of the Cranberry area there and other places as well. So you really got to weigh the benefits, I guess, of public transportation. If you're choosing to commute or you're just interested in utilizing public transportation, uh, I think that can make a big difference in your home buying experience. And then it can also help you on the home selling experience as well uh, because it helps to increase the value. Uh, so we're going to jump into our second break of the day. And we're going to hear from our underwriters, Brad Zerby of Gateway Mortgage Group, and then Coldwell Banker, Schiavone and Associates. And then we'll be back with more real estate deal only on 1077 The Bronx and 1077thebronc.com. There's no place like home. Total, we're home. So click your heels three times because we're back to learn how to buy one with our agent on the airways, Kevin Lawton and the real estate deal. thebronc.com proudly nominated for a national association of broadcasters 2019 marconi award for best college radio station of the year we are live from the clarney's public house studios at Ryder university and you're listening to the real estate deal 
I am your host and agent on the airwaves, Kevin Lawton of Coldwell Banker, Schiavone and Associates, located in Yardville, New Jersey, servicing both Mercer and Burlington counties. As a reminder, you can connect with me on Facebook at facebook.com slash Kevin Lawton CBSA. That's facebook.com slash Kevin Lawton CBSA. Or you can email me, email the show, realestatedeal at rider.edu. I'm definitely happy to hear from you. Uh, interested to hear what you think about the show and also uh, what you would like to hear on the show as well. Uh, remember, the show is all about real estate. Uh, we've covered a lot of topics, and you can find all those topics and all those episodes on 1077thebronc.com. On the real estate deal page, there is a section called the audio archives, and that is every episode ever um, that we have done of the real estate deal. So definitely check it out. And if you don't have the time to check it out, send me an email. Let me know what's your question. What do you want to hear about? And I'll let you know if we already talked about that or if that's something new for us to talk about and certainly answer you personally, um, but also talk about it on the show for the benefit of uh, all the listeners. So we were just talking about how public transportation adds value to your home. And one thing I think, um, you know, as speaking as a young adult, um, public transportation I think is a big deal for young adults as well, um, especially as you know they become more savvy in terms of getting around and there's more technology to make it easier to get around. Um, utilizing that public transportation is even easier too um, through that. So, so this article that I saw um, was very interesting uh, because it's kind of the, it's a little opposite of what was happening like so many years ago where young adults were kind of flocking to cities like big cities, like going into uh, New York city. I know, especially, you know, speaking from around here when, you know, I was graduating from Ryder. I mean, there were so many people where they're just like, oh, I'm going to move to New York. I'm going to move to New York. I'm going to move to New York. And, but now what's happening is the opposite where, uh, young adults, those people that are like 25 to 39, um, they're more interested in moving into smaller towns instead of big cities. And smaller towns are like, like for example, uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, or something like that. So, you know, they're very interested in doing that. And part of the thing that's driving that is really affordability. And I think you look at that and you see like how many people I think were going into big cities or interested in going into big cities, which is driving demand and driving prices up, uh, obviously. And, you know, now these young adults have kind of gotten possibly a little priced out of the big city market um, that they were interested in being in. So now they're going to these smaller towns where it's more affordable, there's more space, so you can get a bigger lot and all those types of things and also more green space as well definitely which i think is something that uh, i know myself speaking as a young adult is very interested in having uh, in my community is more green space and just open areas to go and you know do recreational activities but it is interesting to see the shift and you know the other thing about small towns is kind of the 
and I've seen this going on like road trips and things like that. And, you know, also friends that live in smaller towns and just reading about these things because it, these are types of things that really interest me. Um, but, you know, the smaller towns are developing maybe because they're smaller, more close knit. They have the ability sometimes to generate more culture and especially culture in the arts and those types of things. Perfect example is probably Portland is like a smaller town, but it's built up this whole culture about itself. There's even the show Portlandia. I don't know if anybody's seen that that's a listener, um, but you know, it kind of pokes fun at Portland a little bit and its culture. Um, but you know, it's definitely something that's attractive to young adults as well, because they're looking for a place to be, that they can afford to be, of course, um, for one. And then they're looking for a place where, you know, they also can have that ability to go out and enjoy art and express themselves and all those different types of things. The other thing is that with the smaller towns, you're finding more high quality schools. So as young adults that probably moved into the city, are now growing up and you know they're getting married having kids uh all those types of things schools now are like important right when you're a young adult no kids anything you can kind of go live wherever not think about the schools at all um, but now that kids come into the picture are coming into the picture soon uh having those quality schools is a big deal um and in big cities sometimes it can be difficult to be in an area that's affordable, that has a good quality public school. Um, or and then on top of that, if it's private school, then you know difficult to afford private school. Um, but in these smaller towns, you see where the schools are better. Um, there's less people, less students, and for the most part, um, at least in my experience. And you're able to kind of get more out of that experience, I would say. Um, so, you know, when you look at this philosophy for our area, um, we certainly have smaller towns. And the study looked at, you know, smaller towns considering, like I said, Milwaukee or Charlotte, um, not big city hubs. But I think if you look at this on a smaller scale, it's definitely something that I've seen and noticed happening in Bordentown City, which is like super small town, one square mile. Um, it is so, but definitely I know like growing up in the area and going into Bordentown city with my mom and, you know, seeing the people there, it was always kind of like maybe, I don't want to say older, um, but definitely not a young adult crowd that was there and not as popular of an area, I guess. And now, now I'm definitely noticing that more young adults are moving into um, towns like that, like um, Bordentown City, also like Burlington City, all those little towns that are along um, the Delaware River there, kind of ride the river line a little bit. There's more interest definitely from young adults and you see that happening and then you see more business opening up that's, I guess, maybe more attractive to young adults, like Bordentown City, got a brewery um i forget whether it opened this year opened last year um but just recently you know i got a brewery and now that's attracting more people and then uh, i think i talked about it on the show before that we're now 
there's going to be a developer redeveloping the old ocean spray factory which will be loft apartments and new retail and all these types of things so it's interesting to see and i think that you can see it like firsthand where we live how it's happening and you know young adults are getting more interested in that and i think what's cool about that is that you know if you've ever been to any of these smaller towns you can see and almost feel like there is like a, a smaller community and you kind of feel a sense of maybe being a part of it more and there's more kind of I guess opportunity to get more involved in like the culture and things going on in a small town whereas in a big city there's like so much going on that you know it times it can be a little overwhelming um so smaller towns definitely are on the uptick with young adults uh, and i think that's something to think about and you know i would say too in addition to young adults also seeing you know older adults like baby boomers coming into smaller towns as well um that are also looking for those same types of things um maybe not necessarily affordability at that point in their life but they're definitely looking for like that culture and those more kind of um localized art scenes i guess would be the way to call it um but it's definitely something that you know is happening and i think if you're in a smaller town that you should take that into consideration uh, before you look to list your property for sale because you kind of want to Knowing that young adults, um, and I, I'm not sure if I mentioned this earlier, but actually the amount of young adults that are leaving cities each year, and this is young adults considering between the age of 25 and 39, 30,000 of them are leaving cities each year, um, which is a lot, right? So it's like kind of an influx into these smaller towns and the pop population is going to grow in the smaller towns. But if you're looking to sell and you're in a smaller town, Keeping this in the back of your head, you kind of want to look at your house and get it ready and you almost want to kind of, you know, do things that maybe young adults might be more attracted to knowing that there is potentially a larger buying pool of this age group. Um, so that's kind of the, that's kind of the takeaway there. Um, but I did think it was pretty interesting how this switch has gone from such rise in popularity for big cities now to these smaller towns. Uh, so we're going to go into our last break of the day. We're going to hear from our underwriters, Brad Zerby of Gateway Mortgage Group, Coldwell Banker, Giovanni and Associates. And then we'll be back with more real estate deal only on 107.7 The Bronx and 107.7 TheBronx.com. There's no place like home. Total, we're home. So click your heels three times because we're back to learn how to buy one with our agent on the airways, Kevin Lawton and the real estate deal. 107.7 The Bronx. 1077bronc.com proudly nominated for a National Association of Broadcasters 2019 Marconi Award for Best College Radio Station of the Year. Live from the Clarney's Public House Studios at Ryder University, you're listening to The Real Estate Deal. I'm your host and agent on the airwaves, Kevin Lawton of Coldwell Banker, Schiavone and Associates, located in Yardville, New Jersey, servicing both Mercer and Burlington counties. As a reminder, you can connect with me and find out more information about today's show on Facebook at facebook.com slash Kevin Lawton CBSA. Uh, you can also email me and email the show realestatedeal at rider.edu. That's real estate 
deal at rider.edu. Feel free to reach out uh, with any questions, comments, feedback on the show, uh, or just real estate questions in general. Definitely happy to help you and uh, give you some answers as well. Um, so we're just talking about young adults uh, choosing smaller towns over big cities, uh, which is a bit of a change since what we had seen a couple of years ago. But the last thing I wanted to talk about today, um, I thought this was pretty interesting because we're always talking about inventory um, over the past couple of years and how inventory is low and buyers are having a hard time finding a place that they want and the inventory is low, which drove up prices as well. So Citibank uh, actually got fined uh, pretty hefty for holding on to foreclosed properties for too long, uh, which is pretty interesting. And the fine was uh, $30 million, by the way, um, which is huge. Um, small, probably, I guess, for Citibank, but obviously, you know, for the average human being, $30 million is uh, quite a large amount of money. And I thought this was interesting because, you know, you think about how their inventory issues and how there were potentially all these properties that were being held and not put on the market um, for a long time, vacant properties, most likely if they're foreclosed upon. And it's kind of keeping, keeping inventory out of the market uh, which I think is kind of wrong. I mean, why would, you, why would you do that? And why would you hold on to these properties for so long? And, you know, I think about, and for, for reference, um, you know, a bank is supposed to hold on to property that they've foreclosed on uh, for a maximum of two years. And there is the ability to hold on to it for five years, but you have to request as a bank and get approval uh, to do so and to proceed with the extension. So this is saying that, you know, Citibank held on to them for more than five years, which is kind of crazy if you think about it. And, you know, you think about that and you think about, you know, there's probably where you live. Um, there's probably some property that, you know, has been vacant either due to foreclosure or whatever the case may be. Um, and you know that it's been there and you see it and, you know, you know what kind of effect it has. Um, so imagine that that foreclosed property has been there and just been vacant and empty for more than five years. It's kind of, it's kind of sad really because it's a potential property that could have been out there um, for a buyer. And most likely, you know, when you're looking at having a house that's been foreclosed upon and you know, the odds of it being vacant are very high, you know, and sitting and sitting and sitting for more than five years. I mean, you're looking at properties that some of them that have been sitting for that long probably end up being teardowns because there's nothing that's circulating through the property in terms of air and oxygen and all the utilities have been shut off and systems are probably shot from not being used and just sitting. Um, it's really kind of a shame uh, because you look at these properties and they probably could have been taken over by a buyer who would have, you know, kept them alive and really, you know, taken care of them, maybe done whatever repairs need to be done. Um, so you kind of are just having these almost little negative patches 
in neighborhoods because you're leaving properties just sitting there vacant. Um, and, you know, banks have a responsibility definitely to maintain the property in terms of appearance on the exterior, keeping the grass cut, um, those types of things. And, you know, I know there's a house uh, across the street from me that I believe was foreclosed upon. Um, so trying to figure out exactly what happened because I might be interested in buying it myself as an investment. Um, but, you know, there is a uh, property management that comes by, mows the lawn, keeps things cleaned up. Um, which is good, but still, you know, you look at vacant properties and, you know, it's not good for the surrounding area uh, because if properties are vacant, you know, there's perception too by buyers, of course, that uh, like, you know, why is that property just been vacant there? And it also invites different things as well. Um, and there's potential for obviously uh, animals or pests to get in there, maybe infest, and then, you know, those things move on to other houses as well, potentially. So, you know, it's really a shame, and it's good that, you know, somebody did something finally um, about Citibank holding on to these houses and, you know, finally getting them let go, and I do see that, like, so this was kind of, I guess, discovered through investigation 2015. It was really called out, um, and the article does note that you know, since then, Citibank moves through uh, foreclosed properties and unloads the inventory pretty quickly. And, you know, what it came down to really is the process or maybe lack of process that Citibank was really, really doing. And, you know, it was leaving these houses just sitting for a long time. And, you know, I say that I've seen, you know, firsthand, not just from a you know, a realtor perspective, but also from a home buyer perspective where uh, my mother had bought uh, not a foreclosed property, but it was a short sale, which, you know, had to go through all these approvals with the bank and everything like that. And the banks really kind of dragged their feet uh, with this kind of thing. And they'll hold on to the properties and you know, there's all this paperwork that's associated with it and all these different types of things. And I think at one point there was such a spike in foreclosures and short sales um, that a lot of stuff probably, you know, either got pushed to the bottom of the pile, end up sitting longer, uh, whatever the case may be. But it's definitely something to, you know, think about. And I say that and want to mention that because, you know, I think and you know, I get contacted all the time and I have friends all the time, you know, asking me, oh, are there any, you know, good foreclosed properties um, for investment and this and that. And, you know, I think that you have to keep in mind that if you're looking for a property, foreclosure could be, could be a good chance, you know, to get a good deal, definitely. But, you know, there's also the chance that the process of purchasing it could get complicated and take a lot longer than you're expecting. And the banks can be difficult to deal with. Um, you know, I'm not going to lie. Some can be really easy to deal with, um, but some can be difficult. They want, you know, a lot of information. There's times where I was working on one bank, listed the price uh, or listed the house at a certain price. Uh, we offered lower than they were actually asking for more over the list price than what they listed it, which is kind of, just like, well, why did you list it at this price if you wanted more for it? And the thing is that, you know, the bank really, they, 
they don't have any obligation to like they're not living in the house so if they don't get their price then it's not necessarily a huge deal to them that it may um sit and may not get turned over but you know it's important to think about that if you're looking to purchase foreclosure because it can be a long drawn out process or short sale as well um you know i think i've talked about on the show before you know when my mom went through buying a short sale in florida um at the end of the whole thing you know i mean she's great amazing right now in terms of like equity that she's been able to builds because of the time that she bought and also the situation that she bought into. But the thing is that it took, so standard closing anywhere from like 30 to 60 days, maybe 90 days. This took almost, I think it was like almost a year and a half. And it's just so much with the bank back and forth. And, you know, the bank looking at it, then one week they're not. And you know, just waiting and waiting. And there were a lot of times where I think that my mom thought that she was gonna, she wasn't gonna be able to get the house because it just was taking so long. And she did get to a point where it was just like, you know, either make something happen to the bank or just forget it. Um, So, you know, that's something to keep in mind, especially if you're looking to buy one and you're trying to get a deal on a foreclosure for a house that's going to be like your residence. Uh, because if you're in a bind in terms of a living situation, you need to get into a house quickly. Um, I would advise against going after foreclosure just because of the potential for it to take long and you don't want to get stuck in a position where you're without housing or you have to stay with somebody or you know figure something else out, spend more money on a rental, whatever the case may be. I thought that was very interesting um, to read about, and it'd be interesting to see, you know, if that has any impact on inventory in our area at all. Um, So see if there's any follow-up to that. Um, But that is our show for this week. So thank you for tuning in, and thank you to our underwriters, Brad Zerby of Gateway Mortgage Group, Coldwell Banker, Schiavone, and Associates, and we will be back next week with more real estate deal. Only on 107.7 The Bronx and 107.7 TheBronc.com. That was this week's edition of The Real Estate Deal with Kevin Lawton on 107.7 The Bronx. Your agent on the airwaves may be done for now, but you can catch this show and more on 107.7 TheBronc.com under the Real Estate Deal tab. Kevin is on every Sunday at 10 a.m. talking about everything you need to know about the real estate market. The Real Estate Deal is underwritten by Brad Zerby and MLS number 161236 at Gateway Mortgage Group. Mortgage plus technology makes your path to happiness of owning a home easy. And by Kevin Lawton, real estate agent with Coldwell Banker, Schiavone, and Associates. If you had a question about buying, selling, renting, or investing in a home, you can like Kevin Lawton on Facebook and follow him on Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat at Kevin underscore Lawton. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of The Real Estate Deal, only on 1077 The Bronx.